Colonel Rob Manus has a lifelong record of providing dedicated service to this nation. Having worked his way up from the enlisted ranks to full colonel, he served our country for more than 32 years. He has served as a bomber squadron commander, bomb disposal technician, Joint Chiefs of Staff Operations Officer, assisted the National Security Team with the campaign plan for the global war on terrorism. He authored the first theater nuclear war plan and served as the Vice Commander of America's largest airborne intelligence wing. Colonel Rob Manus is a true American hero. This is Rob Manus Live. Now shifting focus to continuous coverage of the Russia-Ukraine war. In the latest, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky stated that Russia is preparing a new offensive against Ukraine starting in late May or summer. But Kiev has a clear battlefield plan of its own. While well, speaking a day after the second anniversary of Russia's invasion, the Ukrainian President said that it was important for Kiev and its Western allies to remain united. He asserted that Ukraine's victory depends on continued Western support. Well, Zelensky told reporters that we will prepare for the assault. The assault that began on October 8th has not brought any results. I believe we, for our part, will prepare our plan and follow it. He said that 31,000 Ukrainian soldiers had been killed since 2022, giving the first official toll in more than a year. The Russian foreign ministry rejected the Ukraine figure as untrue. The Ukrainian president said that troop rotations would be important for the war effort and emphasized that Kiev needed to better prepare its reserve forces. Well, two years into the war, Moscow's troops bear down along the sprawling 960-kilometer front line in Ukraine's east and south. From shortages of artillery shells and the need for longer-range missiles to a lack of fresh troops, problems are piling up for Ukraine. Zelensky said that he was confident that the U.S. Congress would approve a major new batch of military and financial assistance that Ukraine needed. He added that the European Union had only supplied 30% of the 1 million ammunition shells that were promised. Russia secured its biggest battlefield gains since May 2023 this month as it captured the town of Avdivka, which Ukrainian troops retreated in a bid to avoid being surrounded. Well, Ukrainian president, on the other hand, the Russian president Vladimir Putin said on Tuesday that Russian troops would push farther into Ukraine to build on their success in Avdivka. On Sunday, Russian Defense Ministry said that its forces had taken more advantageous positions near the town. While on Ukraine's battlefield intentions, Zelensky said that Kiev had a clear plan to counter Russian forces, but that he would not disclose details that could compromise it. While well, Kiev's troops conducted a much-wanted counteroffensive last year, but were unable to pierce Russia's defensive lines. Zelensky said that replacing his popular armed forces chief in a dramatic military shakeup this month was a part of his military strategy that would remain under wraps. He further said that the Russians are defeating Ukraine. Welcome back to More War Mondays on the Rob Manus Show. We're live on Patriot.tv and X-Spaces simulcast. The situation in Ukraine appears dire as Russia has taken the eastern city of Adivka and continues to press its gains all along the front with uh, quite a few more than modest successes. Rumors have spread rapidly that the Russian armed forces has begun an announced spring offensive early to capitalize on the new territory it now controls. All as Ukraine continues to beg America for more dollars and supplies from the United States and NATO countries. Is it too late for Ukraine to sue for peace though? After all, it has a framework from the talks in Turkey that UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson kept from moving forward two years ago that it can start with. Well, unfortunately, Russia's National Security Council deputy and former president Dmitry Medvedev went on record this past week saying that Kyiv is a historically Russian city 
but it is currently controlled by gangsters from NATO and the United States. He clearly stated that Russia will likely go as far as the Ukrainian capital if the armed forces continue their current successes. All of this as a story broke in the New York Times just days ago, revealing decades-long CIA programs that have existed in the Ukraine since then. My guest today is retired U.S. Navy commander, author, and college professor, Dr. Randy Arrington. Dr. Arrington, welcome back to The Rob Mana Show. Here's the real truth. We got a lot of stuff to talk about that the people in the audience need to hear. And in that intro, it said you did 32 years. You beat me by six months. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome for that. Thanks for your service, Doc. Uh, Thank you. Uh, and your military service and your service to the country went way beyond uh, just your military service, too. So uh, we appreciate everything that you have done and are doing today. Uh, well, hey, man, uh, we got some. So Adivka, uh, you know, we're going to bring up the overview map uh, that IWS puts out uh, every couple of days uh, here. But uh, so Adivka has been, it's fallen. The Russians have clearly taken it. Uh, and folks, if you're looking at the map there, uh, if you see the word Donetsk, Donetsk in the southeast corner of the country and the, the circles that are all along the uh, front there, the red line to the west of that, Adivka is up in that area. Uh, so the Russian forces have, have, have swept through there. Uh, it looks like they uh, have at least partially taken uh, Robotini again. Uh, if you're, I don't know if you remember the, the Robotini battle, a little village that's, uh, that's a key strategic uh, point uh, for the Ukrainians and the Russians uh, that uh, has gone, the line's gone back and forth several times. Well, the Russians have, have taken that dock uh, at least 50% of it on last reports, uh, and it may even be in full control now. Uh, and they're, they're basically moving west uh, uh, and north uh, and south all along the front. It's about a 940-kilometer uh, front uh, there uh, uh, on the west side of the Donbass area where they're at, uh, uh, the red lines there. So it looks like they're moving forward. Uh, uh, and uh, there's a lot of talk going on and analysis going on that uh, uh, that the Russians may be going to move north to, uh, I think it's called uh, uh, Kanaraska, uh, which is a major rail hub about 60 kilometers to the north, or they may move out to the southwest to another major town, but eventually uh, they will uh, move on Kursan again down in the southwest and even to Kharkiv, uh, which you see there uh, up in the northern part, just to the west of uh, the territory that Russia controls on the northeast uh, side there. Uh, those are major events. And Kharkiv is the second largest city, Dr. Uh, Arrington, in the country of over a million people. Your thoughts on this analysis? Uh, I mean, it's, it appears the Russians have made daily uh, gains. Uh, they may not be huge, but uh, their forces are moving and they're taking new territory that they once owned and they're holding it and then continuing to move. You know, Colonel, every single day we receive more and more news about the latest, how should I put this, failures of the Ukrainian armed forces on the front lines. Every day the Russian armed forces, like you just said, advance into new frontiers. You know, at this rate, everything will come to an end very soon for Zelensky and he'll be forced to sit down at the negotiation table. Even I saw an interview that he said he was going to be amenable maybe April or May to sit down and start talking about peace. You know, uh, do not believe any of the lying propaganda people being spewed by the uh, mainstream media or the White House regarding the war in Ukraine. They are all part of the uh, money laundering conspiracy. Ukraine has lost at least 500,000 troops, and they cannot win. One estimate told me a million. I think it's, that's too high. But Zelensky, in one of these interviews, told a woman they've only lost 31,000 troops. That's a blatant lie. They have lost at least 500,000 troops. Uh, make peace now, you fools. And before the show is over with, I want to read to you uh, a letter that I got from one of my students uh, that went to Ukraine recently and told me what is going on there in the city of Kiev. 
And you're not going to hear this on the mainstream media or from Zelensky or anybody else. But I want to read that before, if you let me, uh, before we go. And just realize that the propaganda machine is uh, it's up and it's bubbling. Don't believe it. And, Colonel, you know that. But I'm talking to the people in the audience. Don't believe the lying propaganda. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about that number. It was in the opening video clip there, which was from WION, uh, folks. And uh, you may have heard that beautiful accent uh, from their announcer. Uh, uh, that, uh, that is because I have to go to places like India to find a balanced news report on this subject. And, and hopefully you saw that the, their reporting there was about both sides uh, and even reported that Zelensky openly said, hey, I'm not going to talk about the whatever because it's a, a security risk. I mean, that's good to me. That's good reporting because uh, it covers both sides uh, as factually as they appear to can anyway. Uh, so that's W.I.O.N. if you're interested in following them. Uh, I think they're on YouTube, but uh, and they have no they don't give any money to the show or anything, but they it's great reporting. And I try to use uh, good factual reporting unless I want to point out the propaganda. Uh, and uh, she didn't challenge him or in the interview that he was giving that was pushed out in that clip. He wasn't challenged about the 31,000. Uh, uh, and, and he was talking about deaths, uh, not wounded and all that. Uh, but even the U.S. last summer was reporting uh, an estimate of 200,000 killed in action on the Ukrainian side. Uh, and uh, uh, and it's got to be even more than that now. Uh, you know, it, it's got to have at least doubled, in my opinion, uh, based on what we've seen over the last six months since that summer report. Uh, it's incredible. And now the Russians are on the move and uh, it looks like they've started uh, at least the beginnings of their spring offensive long before spring hits. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, they are... Uh, they are causing a lot of casualties. Yeah, I mean, this Adipka, when you read the, the battlefield reports coming out, uh, the, uh, the, unfortunately, the Ukrainian army was nearly surrounded. And when they did leave, finally, uh, I mean, it was a haphazard, uh, uh, every man for themselves, uh, uh, really quick exit. They left wounded and, uh, and dead and uh, prisoners all over the place in that area. So, uh, so with if their army is in that bad of shape professionally, they're probably losing even more casualties to KIA and wounded than I think. I, I would imagine the total over, you know, dead and wounded has got to be well over 600,000 on the uh, Ukrainian side right now. Uh, but all we tend to get is reporting on the Russians and, uh, and the numbers there don't strike me as realistic either. I mean, you see over 300,000 dead reported on the Russian side and that, you know, you're talking about a well-equipped, well-trained, uh, uh, semi-professional armed force now, as opposed to the way it was in the Soviet era, where they were almost all conscripts, except for the officers uh, uh, and everything uh, on the Russian side. So, uh, and using precision-guided weapons in, in the style of the West uh, and those kind of things. Uh, uh, so their targeting is more professional. Uh, 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 and the way they're conducting themselves on the battlefield is much more professional uh, on the Russian side. When you when you look, take an objective look at the videos that we can get our hands on and confirm that they're real uh, and the different targeting sets, uh, you, you hear a lot more about the Ukrainians targeting like population centers uh, uh, and targets that have civilians in them uh, uh, and, and just a lot of propaganda pushes against the Russians about that but they're really targeting military targets within, uh, say, a population center uh, and those kind of things and trying to minimize their casualties. So it, this, the world seems flipped backwards, Dr. Arrington, uh, from the way you and I are used to viewing things with the Western Armed Forces being very meticulous as far as preventing civilian casualties and those kind of things. About 30 you know seconds what, I found, what I found ironic is that he, he said through Medvedev, that they're going to have, Russia is going to have a major offensive coming this this uh, like April or May. Ironically, that's when Zelensky said he's going to be willing to sit down and talk peace. That's that, that's very ironic for the same time frame. And, yeah, and the Russians think right. Kiev. Russians think Kiev is a Russian city. 
Exactly right. And we're going to hear from Dmitry Medvedev in the last segment uh, where you're going to hear him say that in Russian uh, and, and talk about what their plans are. Well, we're going to take our first break uh, here on Patriot.tv Live. We're talking with uh, retired Navy Commander Dr. Randy Arrington and getting an update on the war between Russia and Ukraine. And we'll be right back after these messages. Joining me at the news desk now is Rebecca Walzer of WalzerWealth.com. She has been a regular guest on my TV show, Brennan House Live, for a long time. She's not just an economics expert, but she's an attorney. Rebecca, you have a large firm. How many people work for your firm? Just about 30, yes. 30. And yes. tell me, how can people prepare for what's coming with the, well, the end of the dollar as we know it? The end of the fiat system, as we know it globally, we are moving to uh, hard asset backed currencies again. Thank the Lord, because fiat is where we get into all the problems. When you have debt based currency, you have debt based problems. And the United States, unfortunately, since 2020, has not stopped spending at pandemic levels. This is systemic and it is unsustainable and it is coming to an end, especially with the addition of Saudi Arabia and the UAE to the BRICS nations. This is what controls our petrodollar. This is the threat immediately in 2024. For more information, walzerwealth.com, walzerwealth.com. She is not your traditional financial planner. Find out why at walzerwealth.com. Mr. President. I just returned from several areas along the front line in the south and in the yeah. east and soldiers there told me they have to ration their ammunition they don't have enough weapons to advance they can only defend themselves in some cases they're losing territory what happens to your country if this american aid doesn't arrive we will lose a lot of people Lose Welcome back to the Rob Mata Show here on More War Mondays uh, on Patriot.tv Live and live on X Space's simulcast. And we're talking with retired U.S. Navy commander and attack pilot uh, Dr. Randy Arrington. He's a regular contributor to the show to get an update uh, during this program on the war in Ukraine and Russia. Uh, and Dr. Arrington, uh, I've got a hand up over in the live audience, so I want to go to him for questions, but I just wanted to give you a chance to address that video, which was MSNBC asking Zelensky hard questions, real hard questions about the status of his forces, because they actually went to the front and talked to the troops on the front line, uh, and uh, things are as bad as what we've been saying they are from a professionalism perspective. From a from a uh, conscript perspective, from an age of the fighting force perspective, they're conscripting uh, people between the ages of 40 and 60, I believe now, unless it's changed in the last week. Uh, and, uh, uh, and and folks are uh, dodging the draft because the young men don't want to go die in this meat grinder, uh, especially when we had an opportunity that we'll talk about later. Uh, to uh, to get to the peace table, and we're at the peace table two years ago. We have a question from the audience. Just wanted to give you an opportunity to comment on uh, okay. on Zelensky well, well, there, and uh, and that MSNBC was actually hard asking a hard question. Yeah, well, I'm a big MSNBC fan, as you know, but you know, I was thinking about this uh, last night uh, as the second anniversary uh, passes uh, of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, it, it's become clear to me that time uh, favors President Putin and the Russian military. Uh, with uh, the Ukrainian army running low on weaponry and ammunition and American military uh, and uh, monetary assistance in doubt, uh, and uh, Russia obviously determined to fight on, uh, for me, I'm going to tell the audience, Ukrainian victory is out of reach. Kiev will suffer um, only more death and destruction by persisting with this idiocy and should seek a political uh, settlement with the Moscow, uh, even if it requires sacrificing some territory. And yet for all that, I, I argue, now listen to me, I argue that Putin's war has actually failed. As Clausewitz famously taught us about war, war is ultimately not about killing people and uh, destroying things. It's a means to achieve 
uh, specific political goals. Those who start wars expect to be in a, how should I put this, better position, strategic position, once the war and the gunfire stops. But even if this war ends with Russia uh, remaining or uh, retaining all Ukrainian land it now holds, uh, I think Moscow's position will be worse. No matter what, Ukraine, in my opinion, will probably go its own way. And we can talk about the EU and NATO later in the show and what that represents for both Ukraine, NATO, and for Russia. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective, it, it, and it uh, deserves uh, honest and factual discussion because uh, you're probably not far off from the, what the reality is going to be at the end state of wherever it is uh, the situation is going. Well, let's go over to the live audience. Uh, I think we've got Blue Collar Brett with his hand up uh, with a question. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, so he, he actually semi-answered the, the question I was going to ask, was that with clear, with Russia having the, the clear advantage in this war right now, with what kind of peace talks could even come of this? Because Russia is not going to give up the territory they've taken. And if there are some type of peace talks, what is going to, what kind of peace talks could happen to stop Russia from taking the rest of it? And or holding it for a later date to then go back in and go after it after the peace talks are done. Because I just don't see it with, we all knew when this war started, Russia's had better numbers, better equipment. We had to fund Ukraine and everything like that. So I don't see how there can be peace talks that can even happen without Russia basically saying, we can do what we want from now on and once we take those territories, now they're further inside Ukraine and can just push it back a couple of years if they want, regroup, and then go after the rest of what they want in Ukraine. So I, I, he kind of answered the question, but I'm just, I'm kind of unsure on what, what peace talks can even happen. Now, see, that is a great question, Brett. Uh, uh, go ahead, Dr. Errington, and then I'll weigh in after you. Well, the, the peace talks need to be headed up by somebody uh, on the political stage that has possesses uh, global credibility, not a guy like Biden or, or Blinken, none of those knuckleheads, but somebody that has you know international credibility, and it needs to start next month, not wait till May when this offensive is being planned right now by the Russian military. They want to take Kiev, and, and that's the threat that they're putting out there to Zelensky and the world. You you got to stop this war right now. Make peace now. I think it's the general. Uh, uh, Colonel McGregor always says, make peace now. I, I always say that too. I always say, make peace now, you fools. Because we we want to stop the bloodshed. I mean, war is all, for me and the Colonel, war is always, always the last resort once all other alternatives have been exhausted. We don't like war. We'll go to war. We'll fight it like we're trained to do, but we don't want it. And that's what's happening right now is I think uh, Putin is more concerned with Ukraine than any other country that uh, arose out of the wreckage of the uh, dying Soviet Union. Uh, but that alone, going back to my other argument, is tantamount to defeat, because I think that Ukraine is going to go forward no matter what. Uh, more than likely, it's going to be part of, of uh, NATO, part of the, uh, at least the EU and uh, NATO. But again, that puts NATO right on the front doorstep of Russia, and Putin views that as an existential threat. So do, so do his people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm not convinced yet, this is my opinion now, Brett, uh, that the Russians are actually going to go all the way to Kiev and try to take it and hold it. Uh, but, uh, you know, you don't send the past president of the, of the Russian state out, Medvedev, uh, to openly say that Kiev was a, is a historically Russian city that's operated by gangsters from the West at this point. Uh, quite frankly, or controlled by it, uh, without uh, 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 that being a huge indicator of what an ultimate in-state goal may be. Uh, but remember, uh, the Russians at the beginning of this, they didn't operate perfectly, and they, they tried to do the shock and awe thing and get to Kiev uh, uh, and, and do a several-pronged approach to the initial invasion and ended up having to retreat because uh, they weren't as good or they sold their capability to Putin, uh, the generals did, uh, in a way that uh, made him believe he could do something that he really wasn't capable of doing. It's a big difference between 
jumping in and doing a raid on a major city like Kiev and holding that territory between the Russian border or even the, the uh, Donbass border and uh, that capital city uh, and occupying it uh, for a certain period of time until you can get things to settle down and then turn it back over to a friendly uh, national government of Ukraine. Big difference between that uh, and doing a little raid on it and trying to hold it from that perspective, not having built your logistics tails in uh, along the proper lines of communication, not having taken uh, uh, a good assessment of the weather. Remember, they got bogged down in the mud uh, and those kinds of things. So they had to withdraw back and assume a defensive posture, which the Russian armed forces is very good at, uh, a la Stalingrad and those kinds of situations that we saw in World War II. Uh, and, and they've been successful at that. Now it looks like they're breaking out through this Adivka operation. Uh, it's launched a uh, successful breakout. But remember I said in, uh, in the first segment, Doc, that, uh, that there's two possibilities that they'll go out of Adivka to the north, due north 60 kilometers to that, uh, that railway junction, or they'll go northwest to the next major city but eventually, uh, you see Kharkiv up north of that on the map there. That's the second largest city uh, in Ukraine and a major industrial and logistics and communications hub, obviously. And then Kherson down to the southwest. I think you're going to see a, uh, if they remain successful, they're going to see a, a, a taking of that city that's the railway hub first, 60 kilometers due north. Uh, and, and the taking of Kherson and all of the associated territory with the Donbass there to reestablish uh, that border and then eventually go into Kharkiv. Beyond that, uh, I'm wondering, Doc, if the Kiev threat is just to get people to the table because, you know, Zelensky doesn't want to lose his capital city. Uh, for a whole host of reasons, logistics, comms, trade, you know, all of that, uh, manufacturing. I, I, I think you're right. I think I think it's a threat. Um, that's why, you know, you never tell your your enemy what you're going to do. But Medvedev and, and Putin have been putting out in May is when we're going to, April, May, is we're going to do this offensive. And I think you're right. They'll go north first and get that railway station, and they'll go northwest. It looks like from that map, they're slowly surrounding the city of Kiev. And I don't think, I really don't, well, let's put it this way. I think if the fundamental purpose of Putin's war was to keep Ukraine within Russia's orbit, uh, politically, culturally, and economically, I think it's had the opposite effect. If you analyze it, Ukraine's leaders and citizens, particularly those younger generations, have decided that their future lies with the West, not with Russia. And uh, I'll, I'll, if you give me a chance later on the show, I'll read that letter from my, my student. But everywhere you go, Ukrainians speak Western languages, uh, particularly uh, English, in seemingly greater numbers. And more than uh, more than ever, well, any other event, Russia's nationalism, or this invasion of them, has inspired Ukrainian nationalism, reflecting sort of a, a determination to forge uh, their own identity, defined by separation from Russia, uh, even antipathy towards Russia. So I think indeed Putin may go down in history as one of the main catalysts of this happening. But we need to be very careful. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the B-1 bomber deployment to Sweden. We need to be very careful about not triggering World War III, Colonel. Well, yeah. And, uh, I'm going to go over the space and let the, the person with their hand raised. Uh, uh, I'm not sure who it is over there because my eyesight is so bad. I can't see it, but uh, Kat Shell will know who it is uh, before we uh, before we go to this break. And then on the back side of it, we'll talk a little bit, and I'll, and I'll address a little bit about what you said about you, the rise in Ukrainian nationalism and the fervor and all that. That level. All right, Kat Shell, who's got their hand up? Is that truth? Yeah, it is. Go ahead, Matt. <clears throat> I'm almost blind too, Colonel. Great show, great guest, great space. Hello, everybody. Well, I've heard rumors of peace talks, but real quick, uh, if the use of F-16s are utilized, in my opinion, Colonel, and to the guest, all peace talks are over. That will trigger World War III. Thanks. Not so sure if I agree with that in a conventional uh, sense, 
but I certainly agree with it, and I'll explain why later in the show. In the nuclear sense, if they're used uh, and have access to NATO's nuclear uh, capability, that will definitely trigger World War III, and it's likely to be nuclear. We're going to go to this break, and we'll come right back to Rob Manus on Patriot.tv Live here with uh, retired U.S. Navy commander and political science doctor Randy Arrington. I'll be right back. Sounds rolling. All three cameras. We're good. Andy, is there any regrets that you have in life? I I should sit here and say, yeah, I got a lot of, yeah, I got a lot of regrets. But when I look back on my life, and I understand the lives that were lost. I mean, I'm sitting here with you. And I can tell my story. Former National Security Advisor, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, pleaded guilty today for lying to the FBI. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. He was, by definition, the most dangerous possible person for Donald Trump to hire. Only brilliant military career serving 33 years. Why was he being so elusive? Michael Flynn told the truth and faced life in prison. We've learned through the pandemic, we can never be caught unprepared again. And so many Americans, when COVID hit, they had nothing in the house. Stores were shut down and, and doctor's offices were shut down. And even if doctors prescribed drugs for hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, pharmacists wouldn't fill the prescriptions. That was a nightmare. Now the situation is much worse. We have these horrible supply chain problems. In our emergency medical kit at the wellness company, we have eight prescription drugs that are all potentially life-saving. Most people who died with COVID, they died in the hospital because they didn't receive early treatment. Every American family should have one of these. I can tell you the wellness company kit is the answer conference happened, I just sat down with President Zelensky one-on-one -on -one to talk more about what's at stake here. And in no uncertain terms, he said millions of lives are at stake. Senator J.D. Vance, who was in Munich at the security conference but didn't meet with you, he said that even if you got the $60 billion in aid, it is not going to fundamentally change the reality on the battlefield. What's your response to that? I'm not sure that he understands what's going on here and uh, we don't need any rhetoric of from people who, who are not uh, deeply in the in the you know in the in the war so to understand it is to come to the front line to see what's going on to speak with the people then to go to civilians to understand what will be with them and then what will be with them without this support and he will understand that millions of people have been killed will be killed. As it, it's so he doesn't understand it? Because he doesn't understand it. Of course, he God bless, you don't have the war in your territory. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show, live here on Patriot.tv and our X-Spaces simulcast uh, audience, too. And we're talking about more War Monday, and it's the Ukraine-Russia war update. That was Vladimir Zelensky there being interviewed by CNN this time who's actually starting to realize that they've got to do actual journalism and reporting instead of the propaganda pieces. Uh, uh, and we're talking with uh, retired U.S. Navy Commander Dr. Randy Arrington, a show regular. Uh, Doc, he said millions of people will die within 24 hours of him saying only 31,000 Ukrainians have died so far in two years. I mean, the exactly. anniversary was just a couple Exactly. You can't believe the politicians. Um, now, this you might find you have an experience with you have experience with this airplane. Uh, the United States is deploying those B-1B bombers, which I think is a great airplane, uh, to Sweden. 
Uh, Colonel, this is a statement being made public by the Biden regime. I always teach my students to judge all statements made by politicians using the current political context as their frame of reference. Now, here's my question for you in the audience. Is this merely a show of force by our military, or is this a prelude to our military bombing Russian targets if the Ruskies uh, advance into Kiev? And just recently, the NATO chief, uh, I think his name is Stoltenberg, announced that Ukraine will be admitted into the NATO alliance. Again, to reiterate, this represents an existential threat to Putin and Russia. He did say that just the other day. They will be admitted, and that means they'll be in the EU, EU Union, and they'll be in NATO. What do you think of that? Yeah, Stoltenberg's one of the dumbest people I've ever known to lead exactly. uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Alliance organization and should be fired immediately. That was a stupid statement, just like my senator here, Roger Wicker, openly threatening the use of nuclear weapons uh, uh, early on in this conflict on Russia is a complete idiot. And by the way, there's a guy named Gannon Burton and another guy named Dan Eubanks running against Wicker. Go vote for them, Mississippi. I'm voting for one of them. Yeah, because anybody but Wicker at this point to keep us out of World War III, man, I had to do that paid uh, paid announcement there, unpaid announcement. Actually, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, Doc, that that is a problem. Uh, now, fortunately, it's widely known, and the Russians know this, that the B-1 bomber is no longer nuclear capable. Uh, uh, although nothing's to say that that equipment can't be turned back into a ready state. Uh, and reinstalled if it's available uh, to be able to do that uh, kind of mission, but they're not at this point uh, nuclear capable as I speak to you today. So, but Putin, Dr. Arrington, just said within 72 hours at a speech live, let me be clear if Ukraine comes into NATO, you are starting a nuclear World War III. I mean, that's. He couldn't, he couldn't have been more clear, and I'm paraphrasing him, but that's exactly the way he put it. Uh, and uh, that is a problem right there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, what the B-1s are doing in Sweden right now is uh, it's more than a show of force. It's a move on the chessboard of this war that's happening uh, to send the message. Uh, not the message of we'll use force against you, but the message of that that the United States is willing to put its full faith, credit, treasure, and blood on the table. Unfortunately, I disagree with that. Uh, I, I don't think Ukraine is a vital national interest, uh, and we're barking up the wrong tree when we have an open invasion of our southern border uh, of hundreds of thousands, over 100,000 military-age mills, Chinese mills from the Communist Party over there. Uh, so, uh, But those are the facts uh, of what we're seeing here. Uh, and uh, quite honestly, there was talk, Dr. Arrington, I want to get your thoughts on this, of moving NATO's uh, extended deterrence capability, that read that nuclear weapons capability, into Ukraine to match up with those F-16 fighters. Uh, and that's what I was talking about to address Matt's uh, comment before the break. Uh, that will cause nuclear war. They said that a year ago. That if you put nuclear weapons, NATO's nuclear weapons, into Ukraine, we will go to nuclear war. Go ahead, Dr. It's very similar to when my dad was a submarine officer in the Navy. He was involved in the Cuban Missile Crisis. This is very similar, but on a, a much grander scale. And you put nuclear weapons that close to the border with Russia, oh my gosh, that is a huge existential threat. But again, I go back to my uh, political an, um, analysis. I think Putin's war has backfired mostly in, in Europe. The European Union uh, sort of has been jolted into action uh, by that invasion, and uh, they've summoned up a common spirit in support of Ukraine. Now, Ukraine's journey toward EU uh, membership uh, has been fiercely opposed at the Kremlin uh, by those people, but it's now very much a, a possibility. And again, we go back to what we talked about earlier with NATO and Stoltenberg, that knucklehead, uh, saying they will join uh, NATO, uh, you know, if they do that, it's going to be World War III, and they might come, and uh, the United States might conscript guys as, as old as 65, like you and me. But uh, we have to do everything we can, Colonel, to stop that type of nonsense. I don't think 
Putin is an irrational actor. I think he's rational. He's been around a long time. Uh, he was a KGB officer. I don't think he is irrational enough to try to start a nuclear war. But you can't put nuclear weapons anywhere in Ukraine. Uh, that will just force his hand. What do you think about that answer? The problem is, is that shortly after this war started, uh, Russia increased the readiness of all of its nuclear forces, including its intercontinental ballistic missiles, uh, and we did nothing. Okay. Matter of fact, I take that back. We did do something. We canceled our regularly scheduled uh, combat mission ready uh, Minuteman 3 missile launch that gets launched out of Vandenberg Air Force Base, where they move a missile without the nuclear package on it but everything else on it and the launch crew and the maintenance force and the security force to demonstrate uh, that was on duty at the time they chose the missile uh, to pull it from its active silo and move it to Vander, uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base out in California. We canceled it in response to Putin's increasing the readiness of his strategic and his tactical nuclear forces. Think about that, folks. That opened the window, that opened the window to the possibility that we were going to go nuclear if we didn't do a response to that and keep parity between the world's two greatest and most numerous nuclear forces, the United States and NATO and Russia. That put in Putin's mind that, well, they really aren't in this to win it and put in his mind that he might be able to get away with it because we removed all ambiguity when later Roger Wicker, the senior Republican on the Senate Armed Services Committee, openly said, we've got nukes too and threatened that we would use them. Okay? That's why that kind of activity is what puts us in grave danger of a nuclear World War III. And then when you add that to what China is doing with Russia and with Iran and what Iran is doing in the Middle East against U.S. and allied forces and Israel at this point, you have the potential to light a fire that you cannot put out. And that is something that we've spent 75 years in the Cold War striving to prevent no matter what kind of conventional warfare was happening throughout that period. And we were successful at that. The Russians, the Soviets, and the Americans were highly successful at preventing nuclear World War III. But through our own decisions on this Ukraine issue, Doc, we have opened that door and we continue to make it worse by big mouth politicians spouting off when they're not supposed to do it. Folks, if you don't vote this wicker guy out of uh, the U.S. Senate, he's probably going to be the one that ultimately strikes the match for nuclear World War III with his mouth. And trust me, I know a little bit about nuclear warfare, folks. So do I. And how things are supposed to go and how things are not supposed to go. And we have put ourselves in a dramatically grave situation not to mention destroyed NATO's credibility, destroyed the United States' credibility. Deterrence has failed in the Middle East. Deterrence has failed in Europe. Deterrence is failing, and I'm talking about conventional strategic deterrence here. Deterrence is failing in the Pacific because of our decisions and our actions. But the blame gets put on J.D. Vance, who just got voted at CPAC as the most popular Republican senator in the country because of his openly knowledgeable stance. And I take issue, Zelensky, with you saying he doesn't know. The man went to the war in Iraq, okay, as a Marine. So don't tell me that we Americans don't know. We do know. Our grandfathers died over there in Europe. So we know it's all been handed down to us. We're old enough to know. Doc, I got about a minute before we got to go to the break. Uh, but when we come back, we'll hear from Medvedev uh, and we'll talk. We'll let you read your letter. OK, and I, I was a uh, qualified nuclear delivery pilot as an A7 and an S3 uh, naval aviator. But uh, 
you know, we don't want to go there. We know what that is, what would happen would happen if we did that. We don't want that. You know, you're talking about multi, multi millions of people dying and cities just going away. We don't want that. Exactly right. Uh, and uh, you know, to to the caller's question before the last break, Matt, you know, uh, he was talking about F-16s being flown from Ukraine and doing attacks inside of Russia causing World War III. No, but President Putin has put tactical nukes back in Belarus, which is a, a, a reset of a Cold War position uh, in case we get froggy and decide we're going to go nuclear. Well, we got to take a break, Doc. We'll be right back. We'll hear from Dmitry Medvedev himself in his own language, and I will run the narrative in English. Uh, when we come back from the break here on the Rob Maynard Show live on Patriot.tv and X-Spaces Simulcast. My story started with alcohol and I had tried going to other treatments and all I did was think about how I was not going to drink or how I was going to drink one more day and then stop the next day. And Katie had found a treatment I thought it was kind of hokey. I could see a couple days into it, it's like the light bulb went on with him. It's an IV infusion of all natural NAD. It saved my life and my family. We've been where you sit. The hardest part of this is making that phone call and just coming and talk to us. Superfoodshouse.com. Transform your life today. We have partnered with a superfood manufacturer and offer you a one-stop destination for organic, non-GMO superfoods. At superfoodshouse.com, we offer a premium selection of nutrient-rich superfoods, from the revitalizing protein shakes to the Super Amino 23 protein tablets. These tablets help your body rapidly absorb protein, creating lean muscle and burning fat. Visit superfoodshouse.com right now and seize limited time offers on superfood products. With just a few clicks, you can have these nutritional powerhouses delivered right to your door. Superfoodshouse.com, where wellness meets convenience. Your path to a healthier lifestyle begins here. Where should we stop? I don't know, but I think what I've said is going to have a lot of work to do. Will it be Kiev? Probably yes. It has to be Kiev. Not now, then after some time. Two reasons. First is that Kiev is a Russian city. Second, it's a threat to the existence of the Russian Federation. This threat is international, although Kiev is town with Russian roots that is run by an international brigade of Russia's interests, led by the Odessa, come home. We've been waiting for Odessa and the Russian Federation. Even considering the history of that city, what kind of people live there, what language they speak, this is our Russian city. Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show on Patriot.tv Live. It's More War Mondays, and that was former Russian President uh, Dmitry Medvedev, who's currently the Deputy National Security Advisor for the country. You don't send somebody out like that uh, to say words like that. And our guest, Dr. Errington, I know you have a lot to say about this clip, uh, uh, Commander Errington, but uh, he was very clear. So in the last seven days, Medvedev and Putin have both made very clear strategic statements to at least at a minimum set the table for any peace negotiations, because I think we're starting to see some uh, equivocation coming from the, the Ukrainian president's side is what I'm hearing about being ready for peace talks this spring is the latest you know, I think Putin Putin sees Ukraine as this a grand prize, uh, even a Russian entitlement, and they both said that. And a lot of, of uh, scientists will argue that they believe that Putin wants to be the author of putting back together the Soviet alliance and making it uh, grand again. And a lot of my political scientist friends think that's the case. Uh, I'm not sure. Again, I think he's a rational actor. 
Uh, I don't think he's going to do something that really is going to cause uh, World War III unless he is prompted to by what the rest of the world does. And again, we, we asked that, ask that question, putting those B-1s in, in Sweden, is that a prelude to our military bombing Russian targets uh, in adv- if, if the Rus- Ruskies advance uh, into Kiev? I don't know the answer to that. It might be. But he, he is a military and the uh, people uh, in, in their political structure, Politburo, not Politburo, uh, Kremlin, think that that is their entitlement. And that's what they want to do. And I have a, a college student of mine from UCLA that just recently visited Kiev. And you know what's ironic, Colonel, what I'm finding out is my college students are now in their mid-30s, maybe getting close to their late 30s. That really makes me feel old. But uh, she wrote let's me a letter. A, let's take a question from the audience before you read okay. that letter, Doc, because I want to get that close to the end of the segment. Uh, so uh, people are, it's on our, our minds when we leave the show. Uh, let's go over to the X spaces. Looks like AJ, you've got your hand up. Go ahead. Thank you for the mic, uh, Colonel. Um, I have a, a line of thought that I'm trying to echo and see if uh, either you or your guests see anything unreasonable with it. And that is this chanting of the war drums and the support that is needed that kept that keeps happening with the current uh, administration and the mainstream media as their propaganda wing, it it, need, it will, in my opinion, start to slow down as we get closer and closer and closer to November, at the very least in back channels, because I don't see in any way continuing this will help the leftist cause, because nobody wants to throw money at this, Nobody wants to physically go fight for this, either on the right or on the left. So I I don't see image of Zelensky or the war as a concept or in video format on screens helping the leftist cause as we get closer to November. Maybe it is my opinion that maybe in the back channels, uh, Zelensky is going to be told to make friends with Putin somehow through some compromise. And for lack of a better terminology, just shut up and sit down because the left has bigger fish to fry and this has ran out its life. Uh, with that, I yield. Thank you very much. Thanks, AJ. That's a great, that's a great question and comment, Doc. Uh, uh, is the Biden team uh, maneuvering in the background for a political solution? So they have going into November, they get the chance to say, see, this president brings peace too, because Trump's killing him. He's killing him on all of these issues, especially this one. The, the, the audience listening needs to understand that when your politicians are beating those war drums, like the caller said, they're beating those war drums, they are trying to brainwash the people to accept what they've already decided they want to do. You can't go to war unless you have the people behind you. If you don't have the people behind you, I mean, we proved that in Vietnam, the last stages of Vietnam, uh, you know, all the uh, college kids, you know, protesting, you have to have the people behind you. So the war drums are beating on purpose to try to brainwash people and be very careful. And again, don't believe any of the lying propaganda that's spewed by the mainstream media regarding the war in uh, Ukraine, because they are also part of that money laundering uh, conspiracy with the military industrial complex and the politicians are getting rich off this. Uh, you you may not believe that, but it's absolutely true. Oh, I believe it. Uh, but I think that their their propaganda is failing. You know, like the space nukes from Russia uh, thing that the uh, chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, Mike Turner, I think, uh, put out just out of the blue. We've got space nukes from Russia that are going to kill millions of Americans. It's an existential threat. Uh, uh, an immediate threat, uh, imminent, I think is the words they were using. It, it turns out that that's an old issue. Uh, uh, and yeah, it's an existential threat, but it's not an imminent threat uh, is what the truth is. And, and the show tomorrow is going to be about that with an expert on space nukes from Russia and others, uh, too, by the way. He's a, another former Navy guy, F-14 uh, Rio, a backseater uh, that's recently retired that I know. So That'll be a great show, but the propaganda appears to be failing, Doc. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, the reason why 
I think Zelensky is making noises about coming to the peace table. I'll be ready for uh, peace negotiations in the spring is because he knows the $65 billion uh, is not likely to come. And if we, I'm of the opinion that if we just don't do that anymore, uh, Russia and and, uh, Ukraine will come to the table and find a solution to the problem. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the you said the propaganda is failing. It's only failing in people that think with a rational thought process, you know, and shows like your show and others on Patriot TV are spewing the real truth to people and they listen to it. And what I always tell my students is listen to all this stuff, do your research, and then come to a conclusion based on that research. Don't let others make tell you what to think. Think for yourself and do your own research, and then you can come to your own conclusion. Yeah, I but think you that's, know, a, that's a great and it's a great point and a great time for you to read the letter from one of your students that's been in Kiev about what's really this, going on. Right, go this, this is what she said just recently. Everything we have heard about what's happening in Ukraine is a lie. The reality is much darker, bleaker, and unequivocally hopeless. There is no such thing as Ukraine winning this war. By their estimates, they have lost over one million of their sons, fathers, and husbands, and entire generation is gone. Even in the Southwest, where the anti-Russian sentiment is long-standing, citizens are scared to publicly criticize Zelensky because they'll go to jail. In every village and town that I saw, the streets, the shops, the restaurants are mostly absent of men. The few men who remained are terrified of leaving their homes for fear of being kidnapped into conscription. Some have resorted to begging friends to break their legs to avoid military service. Uh, Army search parties take place early in the mornings. I've seen it. When men have to leave their homes to go to work, they ambush and kidnap them off the streets. And within four to five hours, they get listed in the army and taken straight away to the front lines with minimal or no training at all. It is a death sentence, Dr. A. It's getting worse every day. Where I was staying, a dentist had just been taken by security forces on his way to work, leaving behind two small children. Every single day, five to ten bodies, dead bodies, keep arriving from the front lines. Mothers and wives fight tooth and nail with their armed forces, beg and plead not to have their men taken away. They try bribing, which sometimes works, but most of the time they are met with physical violence and death threats. The territory, this territory celebrated as having been won back from Russia, has been reduced to rubble and is uninhabitable. They see the way the war has been reported at home and abroad. It's all lying propaganda, Dr. A. Worse yet, Many have been brainwashed into believing that American soldiers will come into Ukraine and win the war for them. There is no ambiguity in these people. The war was for nothing. It's a travesty. The people are hopeless, utterly destroyed, and living in an unending nightmare. They are pleading for an end, most likely the same peaceful solution that could have been achieved two years ago, but for the the actions of Joe Biden and his regime, and Boris Johnson. In their minds, they have already lost their son, for their sons, fathers, and daughters are gone, and their country has been destroyed. There is no victory that can change that. Make no mistake, they are angry with Putin, but they are also angry with Zelensky and the West. They have lost everything, worst of all, hope and faith, and cannot comprehend why Zelensky wishes to continue the current trajectory, the one with human devastation. I didn't witness the war personally, but I saw what the absolute result was, and it was heartbreaking. Shame on the people, regardless of their intentions, who have supported the war, and shame on our media for reporting about it incorrectly. Thank you very much, Dr. Arrington, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and being a regular contributor to this show, uh, and we will see you next time. And By the way, Dr. Arrington is going to be my stand-in host uh, this coming Thursday. I have to be out uh, Uh, to get uh, some surgery for my wife on that day. Uh, So we look forward to him hosting the show, and it'll be a great show, too, because he's a fantastic contributor uh, and a great American that has a lot of knowledge. Well, that's it for More War Monday, and uh, unfortunately, the update of uh, Russia is defeating Ukraine, and even the people in Kiev know it and are living it every day, sadly. And we pray for the dead, pray for their families, and pray that this war is ended as soon as possible. Tomorrow, Training Tuesday, we will have a training session from an expert on space nukes and what the implications of that are from the threat to the technology to the consequences if it's ever used. I'm Rob Manus. 
on Patriot.tv Live and X-Spaces Simulcast. See you tomorrow. Hi, neighbor. Pat Boone here. Today, I want to help you find some peace of mind concerning your money. Like it or not, we're all living in a financial war zone. That's right. We're watching our hard-earned dollars get crushed by inflation. In fact, recently, inflation reached its highest level in 40 years. And on top of that, cash, which has always represented freedom and privacy, is more and more being replaced by a cashless system. That's right. Powerful forces are definitely waging a war against cash. So I'm encouraging you to prepare before it's too late. Call or text the number on the screen for a free report, The Secret War on Cash from Swiss America. Discover how a few simple steps can protect your money as well as your privacy and your peace of mind. So call or text for your free report, The Secret War on Cash, and make sure to mention Pat Boone sent you.